in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories Today is Friday, January 20th And we hope you're having a wonderful and freaky Friday. Christy, have you collected a lineup for us today? We got a lineup. We do have a lineup. I'll tell you, this first one sent me down a YouTube rabbit hole, which has since really messed with my algorithm. So I'm going to have to just start searching for puppies playing in fields and real, real sweet stuff. Yeah, what do we say? Unlikely animal friendships where <laughs> yes. they're best friends. I forever. love those. Like a pig and a tortoise. Yes. Hedgehog like and a, a vulture. Somebody posted a chihuahua and a pig, and the chihuahua looked like Lucy and the pig looked like Petal. And Aww. I was like, what if it was real life? And I was like, oh, it was. They, they both would. Have. No, those are two real bad bitches that would get together and clash or, or best friends. <laughs> look at us. Maybe bad there bitches. you go. <laughs> I'm trying to decide who would be more afraid of who. Goose of petal or petal of the goose because dogs are natural predators to pigs. Petal is infinitely larger than the goose, mm-hmm. but the goose, she can go for those hooves, those ankles. She can get you. <laughs> She's vicious. She's getting uh, hard of hearing in her old age. Mm. It's really hard to see. It's very, I love her, but she, man, I think she was two when I got her in 2011. So she's like 13, 14 mm-hmm. now. She's still spry as ever, but I can tell her hearing's going. So if Petal could sneak up on her, she wouldn't hear the... <laughs> she may feel the breath, but I don't think she'd hear the honk so, the or the snorts. On her neck. <laughs> yeah, in her neck. I We got to do another pick, Petal pick-me-up because, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, shout out to our Patreon for giving us that idea of the name of it. Because I told you, as much time as I spend on videos for the show, like, okay, I'm going to do this video for social media. So I'm going to spend time editing it. It took seven seconds to just hold the phone up to pedal. And it was like, this post is doing 1 million percent better than anything you worked on. And I'm like, why do I try? Why don't yeah. we just put videos of pedal and whatever information underneath it? Right. <laughs> we we get T-shirts for her that say whatever we need, like a sandwich board. Or we just put a tiny little board over her. Pedal announcements. We're gonna have to start doing that because we well, look for those to come. <laughs> they love her more than us, and honestly, I don't. Blame I get it. Y'all. I get it. She's wonderful and majestic. Well, this first story is neither of those things, but it is an odd but true tale. But before that, I'm Christy. I'm Heather, and let's get freaky. This is from Brooke, and it is called "Terrifying Tales from Jakarta, Indonesia." Hello, ladies. First, thank you both for creating one of my favorite podcasts. I always appreciate your insight, empathy, and balanced humor. All right, let's get into it. I have two stories to share with you today. Whether you share both, one, or neither on the podcast, thank you for reading them. My first story takes place in 1998, when I was around nine years old. I was, I was living in Jakarta, Indonesia, where I lived until I was 18. My family and I were foreigners, with my dad hailing from Texas and my mom from England, although she grew up in Asia, too. I promise this is important to the story. For those unfamiliar with Jakarta, 
1998, the city experienced really bad riots in the month of May due to a combination of an economic crisis, government corruption, and clashing of ethnicities between Indonesian and ethnically Chinese Indonesians. Part of the unrest also expanded towards foreigners in the country, including targeting international schools. That's where my story finally begins. I was a student at the British International School, and leading up to the riots, students were told to bring an overnight kit to school in case we were ever targeted and unable to send students home safely. Since I was so young, I didn't really understand the danger we were in, and instead, I was quite chuffed to get my first sleeping bag and the idea of having one big sleepover with my friends. Oh, to be young and innocent. Well, there finally came a day when those kits came into use, when rioters surrounded our school. That morning, my mom was tipped off by her Indonesian friends to keep me home. I thought it was pretty cool to get a day off just to watch TV, not knowing what my friends were about to go through. That day, the school went into lockdown because it was too unsafe to get buses out to send students home. This was a time when international schools didn't have the insane security we would later see. Think guards with machine guns and mandatory bomb checks for each entering car. So my PE teachers had brought out the only thing they could think of to use as a weapon, the tennis ball machine. I honestly tear up thinking of how scared they must have been to get to that point. Luckily, everyone stayed safe, including the British ambassador's kids who got a helicopter ride out of there. He later had to resign since he essentially left everyone else behind. I didn't end up going back to school until September of that year, because after this and many other incidents, the U.S. Embassy, along with other foreign embassies, called for a mandatory evacuation of their citizens. I remember getting on a bus with my family and being driven out to the old airport, where the U.S. military, along with the Canadian and Malaysian military, was evacuating their citizens. Again, I just thought of it as one big adventure and a bonus long summer. We weren't told where they would be sent. Instead, for U.S. citizens, they had chartered commercial planes to fly citizens to either Singapore or Malaysia. We were lucky enough to have my mom's family in both countries, so it didn't matter to us where we went. When the country was finally safe to return, I found that many of my old friends' families had decided not to come back, and I never had the chance to really say goodbye to them. Living with this high risk and security became a norm for us, and it's something I honestly became desensitized to. That said, I would never trade living anywhere else. I love Indonesia, and I still visit to this day. My second story is one that has to do with the awful tsunami that devastated so many Southeast Asian countries right around Christmas in 2004. This isn't my own story, but instead one that I heard from my headmaster and his wife during a school assembly. Like many living in Southeast Asia, they were holidaying in Thailand that Christmas with their two young sons. My headmaster told his story first. The morning the tsunami hit, he and his young sons were at the beach, while his wife was at the hotel gym. When the tsunami came, he somehow had enough time to grab his two sons and run like hell. He said that he has never ran that fast in his life, thanks to the incredible amount of adrenaline he experienced trying to save his kids, especially since his sons were yelling at him to run faster, Dad, the water's coming! Luckily for him, a local on a motorcycle stopped and had them jump on the back to get to higher ground. They survived, but the hotel in the area were devastated by the tsunami, causing all cell phone communication to be non-existent. 
This also meant he was separated from his wife with no way to contact her. It took days of searching, including going to the makeshift morgues, to see if his wife had passed away. This is when his wife took over telling the story from her point of view. She, along with some other hotel guests and staff, was able to get to the roof and be rescued. She spent the same agonizing days searching for her husband and two young sons, fearing the worst because she knew they had been at the beach that morning. Through what I can only assume is a miracle, someone recognized the descriptions of her husband and sons when she was searching for them, and they were able to reunite Needless to say, there wasn't a dry eye in that assembly, and all of us had so much respect for our headmaster after that. Thank you again for reading these stories. I also have a couple of ghost stories from Bali, Indonesia, which I'll send along another time. Stay safe, Brooke. Wow. So uh, the first story here, Brooke, that's so no pun intended, foreign for so many of so many of us to imagine that that's the type of school environment. It's very hard for a lot of UK and Australia listeners to know that like we have lockdown drills here in the US for shooter drills and stuff at school. When we talked about that recently on a Freaky Friday, a lot of people from the UK and Australia were like, I just can't wrap my head around that that's what kids have to deal with. And also that anybody can just get a gun because here, like sometimes not even our police carry them. Like, you know, it's just yeah. a totally different world. So when you take it even more international and now you've got politics and stuff involved like this, whole different game. And you have people pushed to their brink because, you know, like she said, government corruption, economic crisis, inter internal, you know, fighting of different groups and stuff. And it's just kids trying to go to school mm-hmm. who get caught in the crossfire. That is such a fascinating and I think it's a relatable and also something that we forget as we get older. And, you know, the, the further away we get from childhood, I guess you get reminded when you have kids. But that idea of I remember being a little girl and having to get in the bathtub or having to go in the hallway when we had tornado drills. Of course, it's not the same, but that same sense of, oh, I get to be with all my friends in a mm-hmm. hallway. And that's just the short sighted innocence of a kid of like, oh, well, I get to, oh, I'm going to sit by my two best friends yeah. and then we don't even have to do schoolwork. We, we get, get out to of sit class. Outside. This is kind of exciting and and thrilling, which, yeah, but luckily uh, we do have that innocence and just kind of ignorant bliss when we're young that I think probably honestly helps in those situations because you can't have a bunch of panicked kids flipping out. But if they are all kind of like, oh, okay, this isn't that big of a deal, then the teachers can hopefully assess the situation a little better and help them through it of like it's fun you know there's Mm -hmm. a fun element to it not really but uh, and thank god for your friend your mom's friend to tip her off to keep keep yeah school because i'm sure sitting at home with your kid watching what's happening on tv you just squeeze them as tight as possible going oh my gosh thank god did you ever see the movie toy soldiers oh i have not will wheaton sean astin a bunch of other people. I loved it when I was a teen because mm-hmm. it was about a all boys prep school and they were all like the it actors of the time. But one of them is the son of a diplomat or something and mm-hmm. uh, some kind of terrorist take over the school and because they're trying to kidnap 
the kid and everything, or they're teenagers. And so, you know, the students fight back and whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I it's a it's a real fear. That is, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she got tipped off and you all were safe. But then the tsunami, oh. especially the idea of, I can only imagine the sick gut feeling that the mother had knowing that her husband and sons were at the beach. I can't, yeah. The beach. I, for whatever reason, was decided I wanted to watch some videos because I remember when this happened, <sighs> but I wanted to, honestly, I was more interested in what it looks like right before a tsunami hits because all the water gets sucked back from the shore. The tide goes out and then it just turns into this giant wave. And so you're watching this unedited raw footage from like hotels around the area of the beach. And there's tons of tourists and locals and there's resorts right there all on the beach. And everyone's just kind of like, wow, that's weird. I've never seen the ocean do this. And people are walking out to where water would normally be and picking up shells and stuff. And then you see everybody starts to realize something's wrong. And honestly, it was most the locals that were screaming at the tourists and stuff to get to higher ground because they knew what was coming. And the speed with which it all just goes to hell in a handbasket. Water is so incredibly destructive. Oh, unforgiving and fierce and just yes. goes with the goes with gravity. If it's coming up, it's got to go back down. Yeah, wow, the I flooding think about and it. just uh, people, everything just immediately going under. I mean, it's it was devastating. I mean, it destroyed so many uh, businesses, lives, the entire country. So I'm so, so glad that that ended up the way it did because many families did not have that that happy ending but god damn i can't imagine those three days oh just looking over the edge of the roof even looking down and going well that's where they were and now it's under 12 feet of god. water god i hope i find it but that is some i mean you see it all the time they have videos where parents just happen to swoop in like they'll do like dad instincts or mom instincts you know where the parent yeah notices the kid and just catches them right before they fall down the stairs mm-hmm. or catches them right before and that is it's like a extrasensory six cents that and also i bet you that man did a what five minute three minute mile oh, i mean yeah. you run it just there's everything in you just kicks into high gear yeah. hits the nitrous and you just run off that's wild that he ran outran a tsunami uh i've heard many times from parents that are in situations like that like where death is imminent that you're capable of doing stuff that you did not think you were do- like you hear about moms lifting cars off their kids mm-hmm. and stuff because it's like you, your body just takes over, and yeah. you're you're just in complete fight or flight mode. And bless the sweet local on the motorcycle who stopped oh, yes. and said, "Get you, get on, let me take you." I like you that. don't have yeah. to do that. You did not have to do that. But that's just human to human. Like mm-hmm. I care about you. You're, a, I mean, and you you know, a man with two kids under his arms, like sweating, panting, is like, "Oh, you poor guy." Like hop on, come on, buddy. That's yeah. That is, it's a testament to the kindness of the Indonesian people for sure. Absolutely. This next one is from Cece, and it is called Lock Your Fucking Doors. Hey, ladies. Thanks for putting up such a great show. I'm really digging the Freaky Friday segment. Let's get into it. Here's what I've got to share with you. I live in Riverside, California, about 50 miles east of Los Angeles County, where I was born and raised. In 2020, when COVID hit, 
I, like many, started working from home and worked there for about 20-ish months. I had my, quote, office space set up in our main bedroom, which is the room facing the street. We live in a cul-de-sac, and it's pretty quiet here, compared to where we moved from six years ago. This happened January of 2021. My youngest daughter, 18, was in New York visiting her girlfriend, and my oldest daughter, 22, was just heading out of our house to her car to go to the gym, when all of a sudden, our two across-the-street neighbor guys, a husband and a father-in-law, come running out with shop tools in their hands, yelling at my oldest daughter, Get in your car! Go! 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 Shook, my daughter did as she was told, takes off, then texts me that there are police driving, fast, up our street. I'm like, what the fuck? Nothing ever happens around here. Ever. And not on a weekday morning at 8 a.m. So I'm working away, taking calls, doing my thing, and I have the bathroom window cracked a bit for fresh air. I hear voices at my neighbor's house, don't pay much attention, keep working, until I hear very clearly, come out with your hands up, this house is surrounded. Again, what the fuck? Now I go peek. And sure as shit, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department is surrounding my neighbors to the right, guns drawn, and that's not all. As I move to peek out the front window, I see the sheriff's cars, trucks, SUVs, and what can only be described as a police remote control looking car thingy with a frickin' camera on it. Looking to the street opening, one of the Sheriff Department's trucks is driving across a neighbor's lawn to get to this surrounded house. And here they come on foot, in full riot gear. Really? We left L.A. County for a quiet, safe neighborhood for our kids. And now this? Now I'm fully on alert. I text my husband, and he's all, what do you want me to do? Really, dude? Only ones left in the house are me, our dogs, and my oldest daughter's boyfriend, who is asleep because he works night. I'm watching this shit go down, going from window to window. The sheriff's department is banging on the neighbor's door, Looking over their fence, now come the helicopters. Suddenly, there's a bang, bang on our front door. My dogs are losing their shit. I'm scared as hell. And I look at my ring camera to see it's the sheriff's department. They've come to evacuate us. Insert palm to face emoji here. I had to crate my dogs, wake up the boyfriend, grab keys, and go. My stepdaughter and grandkids live one mile from us. They had all had COVID, but luckily for the boyfriend and I, they were all better and back to work and school this Monday. So to her apartment we go. I called my boss, tell him, um, I'm not going to be working for the next few hours because we've just been evacuated by the sheriff's department. Hours go by. We go to Costco for a hot dog lunch and drive by the neighborhood to see if we can go home yet. Nope. Go back to my stepdaughter's apartment and wait. About three to four hours later, we get the call from the police. I'd left my phone number with them when we went to check if we could go home. And we're clear to come home now. Yeah, I didn't log back into work that day. So here's what had happened. The second house at the beginning of our block had a newly released sex offender. We didn't know this. Who was whacked out on drugs that morning, got into a fight with his wife. This was after he had robbed a corner convenience store and was going neighbor's house to house, trying doorknobs, trying to get in. The guys across the street from us, who saw my daughter leave, saw the guy trying to get into their house and chased him off their property. My daughter just missed this when she was leaving. 
That's when he crossed the street and checked the doorknob of my next-door neighbor. It was unlocked. The husband had gone to work. The mother and three kids were home, and the kids were in school on Zoom when the guy burst in. He held these poor people hostage in their own home for hours. The kids being in class on Zoom is what saved them. A teacher saw something going on, checked on the student, realized something wasn't right, and called the authorities. This asshole terrorized this mom and her kid for hours, flooded their house by breaking their water heater, and broke windows and stuff inside. That's why the sheriff had to evacuate my house, because they didn't know what he was going to do next. They finally got this guy out and arrested him. He's been long gone since then, thank God. That family, we didn't know them well at all, just a friendly smile if we saw them in passing, put their house on the market by the beginning of February, and they were out of there in April. I can only imagine how traumatized they all were and how guilt-ridden the husband must have felt because he left the door unlocked when he left for work. We ended up getting an awesome family as new neighbors who bought the house. And come to find out, they're also from the same small town we left in L.A. County when we moved up to Riverside. Small world, huh? The moral of the story, as my title suggests, lock your fucking doors. Thanks for a great podcast. I love laughing and hope y'all will do a show in Southern California. I tried to find a news leak on the incident, but no luck. I'll keep looking, though. What a uh, horrifying interruption to your Zoom school day God that you look bless. at one of your students and go, why does my student look nervous? That's Terrified. kind of weird. And all of a sudden now I'm sure their camera goes out and I would call 911 too. You'd or like, you Sorry, hear kids. a bunch of shit going on in the background. I'm sure mom's yelling. This dude's yelling. Kids are yelling. Uh, like, take the kid off of mute. Let's hear what's going on because we need to know if they need help. Right. You know? Isn't that interesting, though, to think, had it not been, well, I mean, I guess the butterfly effect, had it not been for COVID, perhaps this wouldn't have, guy wouldn't have done this at all. But had it not been for the kids being home and on Zoom, mm -hmm. if he had just broken in and it was just the mom. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so. that you see it. And as far as, you know, feeling guilty about leaving the door unlocked, I realized the other night we were, I think it, we might have come in from walking the dogs or something. And I went, you know, back in the house and was doing stuff and came back through and noticed, you know, of course the deadbolt was off and it just, it can just slip your mind. You know, you're in a mm -hmm. hurry, you're rushing, whatever. Of course, nowadays they're, you know, places are starting to have like apps that'll like alert you like, hey, your front door is not locked or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the more we can have robots remind us, I guess the better we can be. But <laughs> so, you know, something like you can't go back and lock that door so you can't keep beating yourself up over it. But it's the, the fact that they had to pull out like helicopters, swarm the place. I mean, like he said, you don't know if he's willing to bust a water heater. Is he willing to set that house on fire, the neighbor's house on fire, you know, or you kill just, everybody in the house. You're being yeah. held hostage. So scary. Totally get why you would put the house up for sale. I don't think I could stay there either. No, no, because you just had, you'd look at that front mm -hmm. door every day and just wonder what's on the other side mm -hmm. of it. So, you know, they got a fresh start. I'm glad you all got good neighbors next door and yeah. that nothing happened to thank God for the neighbors across the street hollering at, at uh, you know, your daughter, the daughter mm -hmm. saying, get out of here. You know, like Cece's daughter, get the fuck out of here because you just if somebody is not all mentally present and are just willing to wander into people's homes, mm -hmm. like you said, you don't know what they're capable of carjacking, kidnapping, whatever. So one of those where they took them down and glad it was not worse. Well, thank you, Cece.
This next one is from Megan. And the subject line is, you will not take me without a fight. This is a story about a runner who listens to true crime podcasts in the dark during snowstorms and runs with a Ruger. On this particular day, it was Sinisterhood's part one of the mysterious death of Phoebe Hanschuk. I live in a small rural mountain town with a population of around 3,000 people. During this run, I'm about two miles from my house on a backcountry road at the foothills of the mountain, deep into the podcast with one earbud in. Since it was snowing, the road was empty and peaceful. I hit the section with no cell service when a car going in the same direction as me passes by very slowly. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how wrong yet. About 200 feet in front of me, the car stops. For a split second, it looks like the car may pull into a mile-long driveway on the right, but then the driver turns to the left and positions the car across the road, blocking the entire way. I stop. I call Ruger back to my side. Ruger is my 60-pound ride-or-die Labradoodle that I run off-leash. He loves all people. He quickly returns to my side. Normally, I would have to keep reminding him to stay by my side, but in this moment, he's on full alert. He doesn't move. He's fixated on the car blocking the road. His actions make me more nervous. He knows something is wrong. I take off my mitten so my hands are free. I pull out my pocket knife. I'm ready for war, and so is Ruger. You will not take me without a fight. For at least a minute, maybe longer, you know, time is relative when you're in immediate danger, there's a standoff. I'm not moving, and neither is the car. If you're wondering why I didn't turn and run the other way, good question. A car will win a foot race every single time, and I knew there was only one option, stand my ground. Finally, coming straight at us is a truck. I feel relief. The car cannot continue to block the road any longer. It's going to have to move. The car blocking the road completes its turn and is heading straight at me, slowly, with the truck right behind it. I start to run again, Ruger by my side. He is so intent on me. Pocket knife is in hand, very visible. The car pulls up next to me and rolls down the window. It is completely black inside and I cannot see the driver. I keep my distance and hear, uh, I thought that maybe your car had broken down, so I came to check on you. I reply, nope, and keep moving. The car and truck disappear out of sight. Just left with my adrenaline, my dog Ruger, and the slow, silent snow falling. First off, if you came to check on me, you would have rolled down your window while going the same direction as me and ask if I was okay. This actually happens. It's typical behavior. But did you notice they didn't ask anything? They made a statement. Second, I am clearly in running clothes with a very bright light belt and a pack on. My dog has a reflective LED light harness on. It should be clear to anyone that we did not just come from a broken down car, and there was no car on the side of the road anywhere. Third, if you're traveling north and want to check on us, why would you turn around, head south, when your original direction was north? We were running down a hill and would not have been visible to a car coming from the south until they were right on us. Fifteen minutes after the incident, I realized I hadn't paused the podcast. I also hadn't heard anything that had been said. I was so hyper-focused. Would they come back or were they scared off? We did finish our planned 11 miles without further incident because no one's going to scare me off my road, my plan, and my love of running. Be safe, be aware, keep one earbud in, and keep it creepy. 
Attached is a picture from the very run when I realized the podcast was still playing. You can see my dog's green light up ahead. The picture is, it's pitch black, snow's falling, snow everywhere. It's, it's beautiful. It's isolated. That's horrifying. The, I don't buy the, I was worried that you had car trouble line. Given that if you thought they had car trouble, even if you're like, oh, I'll be nice and I'll turn around, then you turn around, drive past, roll the window down. Is everything okay? I'm fine. Okay. Roll the window up. You don't block the road and be like, you're going to have to run to me. And then what? (laughs) Yeah. That is sinister as fuck. It's like a horror movie. Mm -mm. No. And I'm, yeah. uh, Good thing that truck came along and they had no choice but to move. It's, yeah. Those things, one of those moments where... Could have gone different. I'm sure glad it didn't. It sounds very sus. I don't buy the guy's story for a second. No, not at all. You, uh, I think, being a a badass and having that knife out, making sure they can see it, having your dog and everything, they don't want to mess with somebody that's going to give them a hard time. Like you said, you're not going to go without a fight, and they don't want to fight. So I think you handled that situation very nicely. Definitely. And good job having a dog with you. I think that makes a difference because it is kind of becomes two on one. And then mm-hmm. also you're armed. And when you said Ruger, I thought you had a gun. That's as as did I when I first read it. As like, did oh. I'm sure everyone when they first heard it, which, you know, it, when I read it, I was like, OK, well, I've been watching a lot of I've been I'm watching this really bizarre show that it, it takes place in Alaska. And these British couples are trying to win this this homestead of these older Alaskan, this older Alaskan couple that built this whole log cabin. It's the whole thing. All that to say, everybody's carrying guns there because it's so, I mean, it's just dense forest. There's animals and shit everywhere. So I was like, well, yeah, if you live in a small town and you're running at night through the th- through the mountains, maybe you do take a gun with you. I don't know how to run with a gun. But I, I, I mean, I don't know how to do really anything with a gun, but run running with them is something that's probably a little trickier. Running a gun and I bet you they have a special yeah, strap I mean, that you strap. Cops yeah. do it all the time. So I'm well, sure I went it's to fine. the gun show. They have like uh, bras and panties and boxer shorts. I mean, they have all kinds of stuff. Undergarments. What, a bra that you can put a gun in? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or like a vest, like a you wear it under your shirt. I knew a guy I went to law school with that would wear... I mean, we were having dinner one day, and he's, he was like a bulkier guy. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like, he was average. I'd say he's average to bulky. And we were talking about carrying something, and he kind of patted his side, and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, all right, I'll show you. And he unbuttoned his button down, and underneath was like, instead of a white Hanes, like, undershirt, it was a white undershirt that had a pouch for a gun that then you put your work shirt over it. And it's on his left side, so he's like, oh, yeah, I can just stick my hand in and pull it out. To be fair, he did a heightened type of law where you might be uh, face-to-face with an angry uh, client or average party. Yeah, you never know. I I don't practice that much anymore. That's why. (laughs) I'm not trying to get... But, yeah, when someone says, I'm running with Ruger, I assumed that it meant a gun. But... You uh, you don't want to run towards. I think that's right. Stopping and having a standoff mm-hmm. is the best thing. When the car is sideways, that's nah. that was the worst part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sending that one in, Megan. This next one is from Angie, and the subject line is a plane, a drone, a helicopter, or a UFO. Hi, ladies. Love your show. Thanks for keeping me company on my hour drive commute through my rural area where I reside. 
This is my story about the weird object I saw one morning on my daily drive. It was a cold April morning. I'd just begun my daily, hour-long commute to work. I'm usually on the road by 5 a.m. Now, I've seen some interesting things on my early morning drive the past four years. I've seen several shooting stars, beautiful sunrises, gorgeous moons, and even a comet. Yes, you heard that right. I have seen a comet. I actually thought it was an airplane on fire, and I thought it was about to crash into the cornfield a few miles ahead of me, but it was a comet, so that was pretty cool. I live in a rural area in Iowa. My hometown is the place where Buddy Holly played his last concert and unfortunately was killed in a plane crash. Despite the cornfields, it's actually a beautiful and peaceful area to live in. Anyway, I was maybe 10 minutes into my drive in the pitch dark alone when I saw in the distance what looked like an airplane taking off from the small airport in the upcoming city. I remember thinking it was odd seeing an airplane take off from there that early. It normally took 20 minutes to reach it. The airplane zigzagged to the right, then the left, vertically, and up and down. It had red lights that rotated horizontally and counterclockwise. I could also tell it was metallic and saucer-shaped. I suddenly had this overwhelming sense of fear. I mean, the kind of fear where all the hair on the back of your head stands up. My senses told me to pretend I didn't notice it. However, that was kind of hard to do, even if it was way up in the air. Suddenly... I realized the red rotating lights were to the left of the car next to my window. Let me tell you, normally I drive at 60 miles an hour, but at that moment I put the pedal to the metal. I think I was driving at least 75 and praying literally to the good Lord above for protection, but thankfully it didn't hover too long next to my car. It then shot up vertically and within seconds was miles to the northwest of me. To say I was shook is mild. I saw that it flew to the right and to the left near the upcoming cities, cities that were at least 40 miles away. Because my heart was beating out of my chest, or so it felt like, I decided to call my husband. After I explained what happened, the first words out of his mouth were, Did you record it or take a picture? What in the actual fuck? There was no way I was going to pull over to take a picture or a video. He did ask if I was okay after hearing how upset I was, so he redeemed himself. Although he calmed me down enough to finish the drive, I was still very upset 45 minutes later when I arrived at work. And yes, there is an organization to report this type of phenomenon, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. I did report it to MUFON and they did determine that it was an unidentified aerial object. I've never been a non-believer, but I also hadn't been a believer either. I definitely believe we're not alone now. I only hope I don't experience anything like that ever again. Anyway, keep it creepy, but maybe not this creepy when you're driving in the dark alone. And definitely don't pull over and take a video or a picture because if you don't show up to work one day, your coworkers will think you were abducted by aliens. Interesting because usually people aren't scared. Not to say that you didn't have a reason to be. I just wonder if maybe something about this one seemed more sinister than than other sightings. It could be. Or Angie is like Miss Rafferty on those SNL sketches where it's like Cecily Strong being like, I saw a beautiful light. And Angie's like, they uh, took me up there and they batted around yeah. my knockers. <laughs> I wound <laughs> like, up in a tree the next day. 
Yeah, I don't think they were very friendly. Uh, well, you know, you get the you get your gut feeling about you. I saw a UFO the other day. I didn't want to talk about it, but I'm gonna. I should now report it to move on because uh, it was too low to be an airplane. Where was this? On Ferguson Road, driving Ferguson towards 30. I Paris was driving, and I was like, "What the fuck is that in the sky?" I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. I but- can't either. <laughs> What did Paris think it was? He was trying to look, but I was like, you're going to wreck the car. Watch the road. And he goes, it's an airplane. I was like, you're not even looking. He said, you told me not to look. <laughs> Who's on first? This is why you got to pull over. Although I do. Everyone is always like, how did you not take a picture or video? I get it. When you were in fight or flight mode and you think your life's in danger, you're about to be abducted. Your main concern is getting the fuck out of there. Not trying to document Right. Well, we got stuck at the red light at St. Francis in Ferguson and the enemy ship, whatever it was. <laughs> they may have been friendly. The friendly fire. It looked like it's funny, though, that she said it looked like an airplane on fire because that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, my God, there must be an airplane on fire. And I know the flight path for Love Field flies right over my house. And so I see Southwest jets all the time, depending on the wind. It, they change it depending on the wind. So but it was not the same flight path and it was a different kind of level than it normally would be anyway it was uh all that the, to say you need to make a report to move on i didn't even think about man i know that you can i didn't even think about making a report to move on but i should have because they are the ones that help i mean to their credit they don't just go well everything's an alien like they'll right. sit there and say oh, okay well like 10 people reported this it was in texas a few years maybe three or four years ago everybody was saying oh my god i saw a ufo and it turns out it was spacex was like testing mm. rockets or something like that so then they track it down and say oh well there was a, an airplane in distress or whatever you know so i do appreciate that well, i gotta get on there angie because that sounds like i saw one too the airplane on fire is really the best way to describe it and because but we got stuck at the red light and then it flew behind trees and then by the time the light was green it was gone so it looked like flames it looked like an airplane on fire could that it was- have been a could it have been a comet? <laughs> it was dirt. Or a shooting star? Dust? No, was... shooting stars don't look like fire. A I drone like was... that caught fire? I that's think everything I are drones. I, that's what I go. I go, do you think it was a drone? And Paris goes, ah, it looks kind of high up to be a drone, but you, they can go pretty high I mean, up. then I'm going to say someone... it's an alien. They set their drone on fire. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, upsetting to me that I didn't get a photo because... I was like, oh, man, I got to document it. But then and then I forgot about it because I didn't take a photo. You got to take a photo, especially if you're the passenger. That's on that's on the passenger driver. You got to get out of there. Passenger's the one that's got to document it. You have certain obligations as a passenger. Mm -hmm. Help with the radio or changing a song. Help with navigation, snack provisions and documenting UFOs that you see. And I have completely (laughs) failed. So just on that last one, though, you've been great about all the other things. Thank you. I try to be a good uh, a good passenger. Well, Angie, uh, sounds like you're uh, normally if I said you had to get up at five in the morning, yeah. But if you have to get up five five in the morning, I'm glad you've gotten to see a comet and right. shooting stars. Like sounds like you're seeing all sorts of shit that everybody else is literally sleeping on. Well, we miss so much when we're asleep, don't we? <laughs> we, we do. We do. Well, thanks, Angie. All right. Well, this final one we've got is from Susie. I've been excited about this one all day. I have been so excited about this. You have not read this, correct? Mm -mm. You're going in. I'm going in. Not knowing anything. I have read it. I saved it for last and gave it to Heather because, well, I'll see why. 
And the the thing I meditated on this morning was I vow to dive into the unknown and just I'm diving in, baby. There you, there's nothing more unknown than what this is about to be. <laughs> well, Susie sends it with the subject line, sexually attractive ghost. <laughs> Susie writes, trigger warning, this is a sexy ghost story. I was a sophomore in college and home for summer break. My boyfriend at the time would sleep over at my house a lot because I stopped being allowed at his house after his mom found out I wasn't baptized. This comes full circle, I promise. Anyway, one night we were up late watching a movie and all of a sudden my TV started turning on and off repeatedly. Figuring it was just a weird electrical problem, I got up and unplugged it and then plugged it back in. Well, it turned back on and started to bug out. First, it switched to this weird static channel and began messing with the volume. Up, down, up, down. Then it started turning on and off repeatedly again. We got so freaked out that we left the house and went to the 24-hour diner to wait out the night. We shook in silence and ate pancakes until the sun came up. I was terrified of spending the next night in my room alone, so my boyfriend reluctantly agreed to stay over again. That night, I insisted we watch a movie that not even a poltergeist could ruin for me, Mean Girls. As I passionately rapped along with Kevin G., I began to relax and eventually drifted off to sleep. Not long after, I was awakened by the sharp nudge of my boyfriend absolutely terrified and pointing to the ceiling light. It was flickering on and off repeatedly, almost frantically. I couldn't shake the feeling that whatever this was, it was desperately trying to get my attention. Regardless, we immediately ran out of the house into the diner where we once again shook in silence and ate pancakes until the sun came up. I spent the next night alone and terrified. Somehow I was able to fall asleep, but shortly after was awakened abruptly, not by a noise or light, but by the physical feeling of my bed sinking as if something or someone was sitting on it. I shot up, terrified, and that's when I saw it. That same something that had been fucking with my electronics was now visible to my eyes, sitting at the edge of my bed. I knew that I was seeing a ghost, and that ghost was hot as fuck. <laughs> I was shocked at how fucking hot this ghost was. <laughs> Ghosts aren't supposed to be hot. They're supposed to be gross and shitty looking. Like sad, mangy, colonial men. That's not what this was. This was a this was a young, supple man. Crisp. Oh, y'all. This was a young, supple man with crystal blue eyes and hair of gold. Just punk rock enough to grab your interest, but wholesome enough to introduce to your judgmental parents. And it felt sexual. All of it. I knew I had a boyfriend, and I really liked him, but I loved this ghost. I blinked again, and he was gone, but my infatuation would persist. I went to a water park with some friends the next day and could not stop thinking about this beautiful stranger that had flirtingly terrorized me in the night. I could not get him out of my head. I hoped he would come back tonight, but this time I'd be ready. No oversized underpants and stained Harvard Law Just Kidding t-shirt. This time, I'd wear normal size underpants and a clean Harvard Law Just Kidding t-shirt. I got home that evening and ran into my room, looking forward to a second date with my paranormal star-crossed lover. 
as I gleefully hopped through the door, I was met with a strong herbal smell and was surrounded by rosary beads. I was then face to face with my boyfriend. What the fuck are you doing here? I said. My mom said you were being haunted by ghosts because you weren't baptized and told me to sage your room and hang rosary beads everywhere, he said. Thanks, babe. I winced through gritted teeth, seemingly certain that these plastic beads were not going to cock block me. Well, guess what? They did, because I never saw the hot ghost again. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't read that in advance. Thank you, Susie. Well, I I love it. We don't hear enough about hot ghosts. And you're right. They're always, it's like, they're, I mean, there's like memes and stuff about how ghosts don't exist past like war-torn times because you never see those. We need, I want to see some millennial ghosts. I want to see some hot gen, what am I? Gen X ghosts walking around, you know? Mm-hmm. It's about time. Some of those Chippendales dancers. <laughs> we need something. With like a Zach Morris kind of a look. This is what I envision because of the golden locks and mm-hmm. a little punk rock. Um, you, Susie, could get a job writing descriptions of people that then they could put into their dating profile. Because if I read this, I'd be like, I'll fuck that guy or ghost <laughs> yeah. right now. Today, yeah. I'll swipe Everybody right Everybody wants someone that's like, you know... You want a, a freak in the sheets and a non-ghost on the streets. <laughs> a young, supple man with crystal blue eyes and hair of gold? Come Love on. It. Sounds Come like on. a Greek god. I have a theory. Go. Well, if we examine the beginning of this story, what were we seeing? We were seeing electrical problems where things were being plugged, unplugged, mm-hmm. plugged unplugged things going up down up down up down repeatedly fast 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 the flicking of the lights on off on off on off on off it's almost as if he was already fucking oh yeah he was or ready. he was saying hey this is what you can have if oh, you if, get get your boyfriend to go back home for a night and this is the speed at which we're gonna be doing things you're the outlet, I'm the plug into. <laughs> let's do it. I could not love a story more. I am really sorry that the sage and the rosary beads I know. scared him off. Oh, man. If anybody's listening that you know how to conjure old poltergeist, well, send it in. We'll forward it to Susie. May, I mean, I usually don't say go to the Ouija board. If you can get just the sexy ghost to answer, then I say do it. And the good thing about the Ouija board is, you know, if you say, well, hey, what message do you have for me? And they just send it to the D, T, and F. (laughs) Message received. They just keep, the planchette just keeps going back and forth from yes real fast. DTF. DTF. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Well, may he visit you again someday. Maybe I it'll be hope. like in Titanic. You live a nice long life, and then when you die, all your family and memories, it goes away, and you just see that one guy from your youth that you've been <laughs> yeah. waiting for, that Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> waiting for you. Is that what happened at the end of that movie? Yeah, that's the crazy thing is she gets off the boat. Spoiler alerts for Titanic. If you haven't watched it, it's a two-cassette VHS tape, so make sure you <laughs> watch the second tape. It came out in 1996, I think. <laughs> did came out in 1996 but she gets off the boat and starts a new life she ditches billy zane cal 
course, Leo's a popsicle at the bottom of the ocean. And then she has a new family, has kids. One of her kids is on the boat with her talking to Billy pa- or Bill Paxton, R.I.P. Right. And then... At the end, she dies in her sleep. We think, I After think that's... After throwing the necklace off the... Which, why the fuck, lady? Like, that's a huge... That could go in a museum. Sell it and, and give it to some needy organization. My God, yeah, don't just chunk it into the fucking sea. That's such a waste. And if you think like, oh, well, I don't want my kids to be spoiled rich kids. Like you said, other people could use it. Yes! <laughs> Maybe, but then when she dies, you know, she's like goes to the, you know, it'll take old dirt nap, as we say. <laughs> I've never heard that. There's a lot of phrases. I told you one of my 2023 resolutions is leading into my Texas. Well, I, I mean, I'm born and raised here, but I haven't heard that. But I'm going to start using it now. We also got to use. I don't know if this is Texas, but this is my husband. <laughs> Are you doing it? Are you going to share the it? other night? Tommy's telling us a story. Wait, what were we talking about? I don't recall. It was something about was it not when he was... AI or something about robots or something. I thought it was on his rant about funeral homes. Was that not it? <laughs> he did go on a rant about funerals. It was fantastic. Just My favorite in general. <laughs> My favorite part is when I go, "What happened at a funeral that has had you up so upset?" He goes, "I could tell you a half a dozen stories right now." And I was like, "God, yeah." But he goes, but no. "Listen, when the shit shakes out." We're all going to realize none of this mattered. We were like, the shit shakes out. I, I fell off the porch. Uh, like I tumped, uh, tumped down the stairs because Tommy's like, just so slick in the way he said it. He's like, yeah. And then when the shit shakes out, then you'll know. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I got to start saying that. You know, when the shit shakes out. Well, it's you know. just like, and that's jazz, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a fantastic one. But how do we get on the shit shakes out? We're talking about, oh, Texanness. Yeah, when you all take, when she takes up the dirt Titanic, nap. she takes her old dirt nap, and then she's in what one would presume heaven, the afterlife, et cetera, depends on your uh, views, and she's in the stairwell, well-dressed, and Jack, a.k.a. Leonardo DiCaprio, is in a suit, and they, like, reunite and are dancing and stuff. And On the in, ship? Yeah. It's in, been a minute since I've seen this. I mean, I know the, the gist of what happens on the Titanic, but, but I like, forgot about this part. My favorite part is heaven is to go to the ship that sunk. <laughs> like, do you remember that <laughs> tragedy you, that you lived through? Killed half the pe- they killed be the like, man of your dreams, apparently. Let's go back there. That might be hell. Like, I think maybe she went to hell at the end. We don't know. But regardless, Leonardo DiCaprio is there. But the good, the point that many people over the years have made is like, she had like a whole family. And then when she died, her heaven was like not to be with her family, but was like, I'm going to actually go over here and try to get that Leo dick. Dang. I mean, we can't look at him. Listen, we all live our lives. And when the shit shakes out, we either end up in heaven or hell. And Leonardo DiCaprio, he's going to be in both places. So it doesn't matter. That's true. I think he will. He's one of those that you're going to see him everywhere. He's done <laughs> he's good. Ubiquitous. He's done bad. I mean, I don't know if he's done anything hell worthy. But, uh, you know, he's. He cares about the planet. He's like he's a, the lady on the good place that ends up in the medium place alone. Yeah, That's Leonardo he'll be DiCaprio. in the medium place. <laughs> he's in the medium place. Well. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Susie. That was a phenomenal tale, and may, may you be reunited. And may this spark other tales, like so many, where people are like, oh, I forgot about my sexual ghost encounter, because if if we need to do another show, mm-hmm. a weekly show that's just talking about ghost fucking, Phantom we'll books. work it into our schedules. <laughs> we can do it. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. No, we can. We'll make it happen. Send we'll it call. In. We'll make a call. 
Well, thank you, Susie, and thank you, everybody, for sending your stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you've fucked a ghost, you've had a brush (laughs) with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, (laughs) send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and getting into a tier, special shout-out on the show, monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. Plus, our patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month they would like to see us live stream. Our next live stream will be Tuesday, January 31st at 8 p.m. Central. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month, we're doing it a little bit different, so we can hopefully accommodate some of our international listeners, and we're doing a Thursday weekday Q&A, 2 p.m. Central Time, Thursday, January 26th. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, or a sandwich board for your pig that's a Sinisterhood <laughs> on the side, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hope.